Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. I would like for you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. And we're going to look at the resurrection. I had intended a, an entirely different direction for this morning But just um, in preparation and the hours before coming here right now, we're so seized upon by the passage of Scripture in John chapter 20. I'd like for you to to look there with me. Now, if you guys want, just go ahead and find a stool or you can do any, just we'll be at home in our living room as their home in theirs. I think they they thought I was going to lean on them like I did last week. I want to ask you this question. Uh, it's a favorite passage of this uh, study from this passage of Scripture. And I want to ask you the question, what do you see? What do you see in life right now? What do you see as your future? What do you see of the present? What would be the way that you described it? How do you view your past? The question is, what do you see? How do you see what you see? Just this week, my depth perception on how something is seen was just thrown into absolute turmoil. Um, this past week, my, one of my wife's first cousins, I think she only has four, three or four, but passed away unexpectedly. <clears throat> uh, and because of the virus, was uh, alone, and not really alone, when uh, he left this world and stepped across to the other side to see the Lord. And... Um, I would appreciate your prayers for the family and for, for every, just everyone right now. You know, you know, this whole virus thing sort of it seems to multiply or magnify other things that happen. And, um, and just, just lift them up and lift one another up in your prayers. Uh, last night, as I was uh, uh, online, in one of the Facebook forums, uh, a lady shared with me, that her grandmother had passed away. She was very, very close to. Her name was Tammy. And she said she wasn't able to get home for the funeral. And it just seems, again, as though the virus thing sort of just exacerbate or make it something a, a, a bit more than the darkness already is. So be lifting one another up right now, encouraging one another. As a matter of fact, if, as you're watching right now, just type in words of encouragement to another person whose name you may recognize there. Say, hey, I'm thankful to see you here online this morning. Just encourage one another. Jump into that and squeeze all the good out of it that you can. But this week in reflection, my five-year-old granddaughter, Brenda Grace, um, who lives in Lakeland near her Uncle Johnny, she was reported the news that Uncle Johnny had gone to be with the Lord. And, uh, and her, 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 her perception, her words on this, having been to, to two or three funerals in her very long five-year-old life, suddenly she turns in just outright uh, joy, not tears, but turns to her parents, and she says, Uncle Johnny got to be in the heaven box? Of course, she was referring to a coffin. Mm-mm-mm. What do you see? What do you see? What we see as an inn, what we refer to, a five-year-old child saw and came up with her own name for it, the heaven box. 
And then with great excitement, her face exploding, she began to clap her hands and she goes, yay, he gets to see Jesus. He gets to see Jesus. I want to ask you again, what do you see? This morning, I want to review and go over the resurrection account. You know, there's a, a formidable task here because weekly, week in and week out, I have the responsibility of inspiring the story that those who follow Christ already know. You're already followers of Christ. You already know much of the Word of God. You certainly, you have a strong foundation. And it is my, my responsibility as a shepherd, as a teacher of the Word, to bring something that, that ever so slightly may walk you around from just a bit different angle. I don't mean novel. I don't mean clever. And nor do I certainly mean, I certainly don't mean cliche. What I mean is to just present something by way of the Spirit of God breathing through the Word of God that causes there to be a fresh awakening of that. And then there's the responsibility for someone, for those of you who may be watching this morning and joining in, and you don't know the stories of Scripture, but you're looking for something. I have the responsibility of communicating the story of Scripture in a clear enough fashion so that, again, that there's something that, to, to use my phrase, there's something that you do see and walk away from. And would you just pray for me right where you are right now? Matter of fact, again, just type right in there, hey, I'm praying for you, Pastor Tom. Just do that right now, that I'm praying for you. I, I want you to be able to do that, to be able to inspire and ignite the story that is already known by so many, and then to bring in a fresh fashion those who may have never heard the story. And likewise, we are here this morning as we come to the resurrection. In John chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week, first day of the week would be what we know to be Sunday. The first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was dark and saw. Notice that. I want you to pay attention as we move through the scripture. And get, get your Bibles, your smartphones, your devices. Get something out and look at the word of God with me right now. Have that in your hand. Be ready to make some notes. As a matter of fact, in our online campus, I think there's a place... Uh, where there is a, a Bible available to you right now. And, uh, and I'll, I'll make sure that there are some notes there for you as well, okay? But while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away. Now, this is Mary Magdalene who came first and saw the stone at the mouth of the cave was rolled away. The other Gospels tell the story of how it happened. I don't have time to break that down. We're just going to enter this narrative where it is and for what it's worth. Mary Magdalene comes, the stone is removed from the mouth of the tomb or the cave, the small cave where Jesus' body was, the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran away and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's believed to be John uh, the apostle, and said to him, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. And so Peter uh, and so Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. I guess that's a nice way of John, who was writing these words, wrote, he didn't say, I was younger and faster, so I got there first. So he speaks sort of in the third person. I think that's sort of funny and gracious at the same time. And stooping in, verse 5, here it comes again, and stooping in, Stooping and looking in, he saw, okay? There's the word saw one more time. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came in following him, and he entered, and he saw. There it is, the third time this word shows up. 
the linen wrappings lying there. That is uh, the wrappings from the body uh, of, of Jesus Christ. And if you are new to faith, when they, when he, after being crucified, as was typical in the ancient Near East, his body would have been prepared uh, for, to be placed in the tomb. He would have been wrapped in linen bindings with a, a sort of a layer of ointment, very expensive ointment placed in between and wrapped and wrapped so as to diffuse the, the smell or the stench as the body would begin to decay, okay? Verse six, um, uh, verse seven, he saw not only the linen wrappings, wrappings lying there and the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Beloved, that just ignites, ignites my heart with the thought of animating that picture inside that tomb as Jesus stood and he began to pull off those wrappings and it said the linen wrappings, maybe as he sat on the edge of this sort of shelf where his body would have been laid, but uh, he unwrapped that in one place, but he had stood up clearly and walked to another place and the, the part that was on his head or face was in a different place altogether. I don't know about you, but I choose to believe maybe he was having a little bit of, of worship there in that moment inside the tomb. Uh, I can't even, even, even imagine that. And says, so the other disciple who had come to the first tomb then entered and saw and believed. For as they did not yet, for the, as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. They didn't get that. John says this. It was after this that, he would, that they would come to understand. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now, very next verse. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stopped, and she looked into the room, in, into the tomb. And she saw, here, that's, number, uh, that's number five, and she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. Now, I have a supposition. It's entirely speculation. But I want to ask this question and not answer it right this moment. But at best, there were seconds, not minutes between. I want to ask this question. What was the difference? Why was it she saw the angels and Peter and John did not? Certainly, the angels may have hidden themselves or not been there or appeared only to Mary. We can suppose what we want. I've got a different theory that I'll come to in just a moment. She saw the two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, did not know that it was Jesus. Beloved, keep time. This is happening in seconds, not minutes, and certainly not hours. The clock is ticking. Let me give you this picture. Peter and John, they go in, they see the linen, they see the head wrapping there, they draw their own conclusions, they bet, dash away back to their home, they run out, run away, the clock's ticking, they begin to run away, Mary begins to step in at the same time, and she sees the angels they didn't see. Again, I'm going to come back to that. But as they begin to run away, and immediately after asking this question, uh, they, she, they said, and they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, because they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Verse 14, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And here comes a key phrase, whom are you seeking? Mm. 
Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Reading this verse every time moves me. Jesus said to her, Mary. He called her name. He called her name. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, or Raboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, and now apparently Mary had fallen at his feet and was now holding his feet or the edge of his garment. And he, and he essentially says here, stop clinging to me. In other words, you've got to let me go, for I have yet to ascend to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene, we go right to verse 18, and clearly she did that. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, and here is the sixth time, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these, and that, and then she told what he had said to her. I want to suggest to you that there's something that happens that, first of all, the word, the first words that we read, see, there's four different original language terms used for these five different occasions of, 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 of where it's translated saw and see. And it's in this sequence that they appear. The first one is the, the Greek term that refers to the faculty of sight, which means I see this paper. I see this watch. I see the cuff of a blue shirt. I, in other words, it's just the fact I see it. The second word used here as it, as it goes down through the passage, and it's where Simon Peter, verse 6, came in, and he had entered the tomb and he saw. It means to theory. It means to draw conclusion. Not only do I see the watch, but I can draw some conclusions about what its function is, even what kind it is. I begin to draw some conclusions, or it's theoreto. It means to develop a sort of a theory about it. The third term used appears later in the passage, where it means to perceive unto the point of believing. And that's in verse 8 when it says, And John, or the other disciple, came into the tomb and also entered, and he saw, but he didn't just draw a theory, he believed. What did he believe? He believed that he wasn't there. He believed something. And, of course, in the verses that follows, for as yet they did not understand the Scripture. See, he didn't understand it, but he began to believe. We can only suppose exactly what it was he believed I believe that he believed the resurrection had taken place because he qualifies it in the following verse. So the third term means to begin to believe it at some level. Now, that doesn't ordinarily mean faith. It means that I look, I see a watch, I see the second hands ticking away. And I know the watch works, so I can believe that that watch will tell me accurate time an hour or a day or a month from now until that second hand stops moving or in, until it, there's some other indicator. At the end of this, though, is a different term. It means to perceive or to grasp or to begin to assimilate. And that's the word that Mary uses in verse 18 when she says, I have seen the Lord. So I want you to get this. I want you to get what's happening here. There's a seeing that's just a seeing. There's a seeing that you see and you think something about it, and you begin to draw some conclusions. And, well, then you draw some conclusions, and you act based upon your own conclusions. Then there's this fourth term that means I'm, I'm sort of getting something that goes beyond my seeing, my theories, and my own believing conclusions. There's something out there beyond that. Those are the four terms here. I asked you at the beginning, 
what do you see? What do you see? And here's the questions. What do you see of your life right now? What do you see of your life tomorrow? How do you view your past? Through what lens? Can I tell you that everything changed, everything changed for Mary with the seeing that she brought to it? Suddenly understanding that the Savior was alive. I wanna, I've asked you a question earlier. Why only seconds apart do you think the angels weren't there for John and Peter and were? We can, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I suppose they were, but I think they were the wrong kind of seers. You see, because just after this, Jesus would ask the question, whom do you seek? Whom do you seek? You see, and here's the proposition. What a seeker saw that seers don't. Seekers saw a whole other level of reality, Mary, when she stepped in. She saw something of the realm of the Spirit. She saw angels that may be only in the realm. Maybe she peered through into the realm of the Spirit. We don't know, but I'm believing this, that there was a difference between seeking and seeing. John and Peter had come for forensic examination. John reached out beyond and said, these clothes must mean something. So not only do I see, not only do I have a theory, but I'm beginning to draw some conclusions about it. But Mary's was on a whole different level. She wasn't looking for forensic evidence. She was searching for her Savior. She was searching for her Savior. That's a whole different level of awareness. Can I submit to you that I told you, remember, it was happening in seconds. Peter and John come out. Mary steps in. Mary looks. Mary turns around and sees the gardener. I believe this. I believe that the gardener was probably standing right there when Peter and John ran away, but they too supposed him to be the gardener, and they ran right by him. I pray in our life and our seeing in our drawing conclusions and our theories and beginning to, to come to conclusions about it, that we would pause on this day. And if you are watching this message, this teaching this morning, and you have never bothered to even whisper a prayer to look into another dimension, something like, Heavenly Father, I see a lot about my life. I have theories about my life. I've drawn conclusions and I believe certain things about my life. But if you are alive and in my life, that changes everything. It changes everything. I wrote a song um, sometime back and rewrote the words for last year's Easter production. And it was sung by Mary Magdalene. I have no idea if I can get through it or sniff through it or whatever the case may be, but we'll see. <laughs> the song was originally written differently, but I pinned the words for specifically through the lips of Mary. See if you can just hear that. See if you can make it your own song this morning. She has just seen him, held his feet. He said, Mary, go tell them. Perhaps she turns to run and tell them and then reflects on the fact that, oh, but I have another question, and she stops and turns, but he's gone. I believe it was the, the moment that he probably ascended temporarily into the heavens. He said, I'm going to see my father, and I believe he went to take care of some business, but that's another story. What if the Lord is really here? 
this place What if it's true that he's not dead He's been raised When I just watched him die Thought my heart would not survive But now somehow He stood right here today What if it's true that he just called my name? If he's risen, nothing stays the same. If he was here with me, and if I just knelt and touched his feet Then he's alive And everything is changed Now I want you to ask yourself this question If this is you What will I do? I can hardly speak I don't want to move If this is you What will I say? I think I'll just wait if God is in, if my Savior's in this That's the question I want to ask you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do if what you sense as you sit right there is not just emotion? It's not just the, the coalesced or pressed realities of being trapped behind doors in quarantine and a, a virus we've never seen before. What if it's more than all of that that's pressing you to a reflection on your life? More than just what life's bringing. What if right now, I want to ask you again, what do you see? What do you see? I want to suggest to you that there's a fifth word that John would use. He uses it in John chapter 1. You see, John 20, same guy writing, it was written as a historical narrative of a, a point in time. But as he sort of rewinds and he starts, as he launches into what he would write in John chapter 1, see, it's after the fact. 
He does know the resurrection. He does understand. He does get it. He does understand that that John 1 writes, and we beheld the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's a fifth word, and that one is behold. That means to be entirely consumed with, locked in on a gaze, nothing else. May I paraphrase the, the, the reading of that verse? And it goes like this. In the end, he became everything I saw. In the end, he became everything we saw. He was full of grace and truth, grace that pushed back, truth that unhid uh, the possibilities of life that I might know so that I could see. What do you see? I ask you to see life through a risen and resurrected Savior. You know, as Matt shared earlier at the giving time, and Jesus reflected on that, on Mary giving and pouring out, that giving people somehow become a part of something bigger than the moment. Well, can I tell you this, that seeing people somehow see a dimension of life. They walk into situations like Mary did, and they see angels present where the other two guys just see an empty tomb, an empty room, and they're going to run off and tell about it. Beloved, I want to call you, invite you, summon you this morning to begin this Easter weekend seeing a life that you didn't see before, seeing it through the lens of a possibility of a resurrected Savior that should have never happened. Death is final. Resurrection don't, don't happen. Resurrections don't happen. I don't care what is final in your life today. Reach out and accept that resurrected Lord. For those of you that know this story, I pray that you have a baptism of a fresh resurrection perspective. I pray that your eyes are open to be merry, that you don't run right by the gardener but that you stop and have a conversation (laughs) with the one who died to change your world. But for the one or the two, the five or the 10, who today may be reaching out to say, I I wanna see differently. I I don't know that I even get it all, but somehow something shifted here in this moment. Would you just pray your own prayer to him right now because he's right there with you. Just like Mary, he's standing right next to you and he knows your name. That is the story and wonder of a resurrection. Receive that. And pray a prayer something like this. Jesus, I don't know that you and I have ever talked ever before. I really don't understand all this praying thing. I don't know that I get all that that guy has just said. But it's clear to me that there's something in this room and something going on, and I'm beginning to see beyond what I've seen. I'm beginning to see that there's something more and else to life, something else that will bring a depth perception all the way to eternity (coughs) that I haven't held. I just want to say by faith, I don't even know this story, but I believe that you died for me. I'm going to risk saying that. I invite you to the center of my life. I confess that I've looked for everything in all the wrong places but I want you to be my Savior and Lord who came to the earth, died for me, and was resurrected from the dead. I want you to be my Savior and Lord. And I ask that in your name. Amen. You can go to newhopechurchathome.com, newhopechurchathome.com, and click on that communication card. Please fill it out. We will contact you immediately. We want to talk to you, pray with you. And celebrate the fact that your life is seeing, that you are seeing life that you've never seen it before. 
And now, come on, worship team, come out. Can we just close with that song? That you, the, how the, I'm sorry, the beautiful name. Of, I can't even think of the words. They've left my mind. That last song you were singing. I just want everybody to be able to celebrate as we sort of count down and, and, and leave the room this morning. But uh, while they're coming out and preparing, I just want to say what is a, a tradition here of our New Hope family. This uplifted hand is not Pentecostal. It's Oath and Covenant. Would you repeat with me right now? You can say it after me. May the Lord bless you. If you're with someone, turn and say it to them. Here we go. May the Lord bless you. Say it. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. You are the blessed of the Lord. You've just seen Jesus. So be it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.